Rookie Designer, episode 165. My name is Jake Benes from Graphic Precision, and I'm here with my co-host, Carl, from Holy Carp Design. How you doing, Carl? Pretty good. Welcome to Friday. Thank God. It has been a crazy week, and I am so glad it's over. Yes, absolutely. Today's a sad day, though. Yeah, it is. Kind of sucks. We lost one of our favorites. Yeah, we lost uh, Anthony Bourdain today. It's 61 years old of apparent suicide, which is really devastating and really unfortunate that it came to that. He He's affected a lot of different people. I mean, there's tons of memes out there right now. So I follow a lot of chefs because I love to cook, and the world is just rocked by that. I mean, he was an amazing chef, an amazing traveler, and just had awesome shows and just opened up the world to a lot of different cultures and a lot of different things. So yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate. Yeah. When I think of someone that has a fantastic personal like persona, both on and off camera, he's one of the guys that I'm like, I I would love to have a drink with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. He did live a really, really interesting and exciting life and you have to, Hope that that fulfilled him in some way, because it's unfortunate that he is no longer with us. Yeah. So after all that happy news, why don't we jump into some design news? What do you design got? Design news. All yeah. right. IHOP. IHOP is changing its name. So they're telling us. Um, IHOP is the International House of Pancakes, also known as Some People's Health Club. Um, and they are flipping the P in their logo to a B, which, mind you, the their logo is pretty interesting in that it looks like all caps, but now it's going to be kind of a weird mix of all of the uh, uh, caps and lowercase. And, you know, they're teasing us. They say, what does the B stand for? But and that's the best part is they did like, you're like, oh, we're making this change, but we're not telling you why. Right, right. And, you know, Twitter has responded with an explosive amount of suggestions. Now, ultimately, it's probably going to be breakfast, or maybe no, it's... No, it's going to be bacon. Yeah, it could be bacon. Everything comes with bacon there. Um, <laughs> I do like the suggestion that I saw, the International House of Betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. That was funny. Um, because the, there's no reason for them to rebrand. They are a well-known brand, a well-loved brand amongst a lot of people. And uh, why they're not even going to rebrand the actual look and feel. They're just looking to change the name for whatever reason. I'm telling you, this is a gimmick. We're going to have July's going to be bacon month, and that's why they're changing the name. I want to put money down right now. It's going to be bacon month in July. Five (laughs) dollars. I mean, that's the only, like that's the only thing I can think is this has got to be a gimmick. There, there's no way. I, I read somewhere that they've been twenty five percent gain over the last like ten years. Like they they haven't had a problem with their name. They haven't had a problem with the business. So there's no reason for them to do this other than it's got to be some type of crazy gimmick to to do this because they're not going to be. Ch- what are they going to do? Go on and screw that one letter and flip it upside down on all the signs. Right, the the cost alone would be insane. Yeah, I just and there's no purpose unless you actually are altering your brand. 
there is no reason to change everything like they're proposing. Um, I would love to see their schedule for when they reprint their menus, because if this is atypical of the timing, I would maybe that gives credence to them rebranding everything, but yeah, I'm I'm not buying it. I'm with you. I'm telling you right now, there's a bunch of people sitting in a boardroom and came up with this idea to get everybody to talk about it. Do people talk about it on Twitter, talk about it on podcasts, and everybody's going to get hungry, and they're all going to go to IHOP, and this isn't really going to happen, and this is all an imaginary thing that they have come up with to suck us into this game that they have going on. <laughs> you know, at least they're consistent uh, in, in their product, not in their name. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so now the worst part is Carl tells us they're going to do this. We still don't have a reason why. So now we're going to have to have a follow-up when we do finally find out that it's bacon as to what is actually the reason for this whole craziness that's going on. Yeah. What about you? What have you uh, been reading in the news? So I actually read a really interesting article on HuffPost. And the title of the article is What It's Like to Be a Legally Blind Illustrator and Graphic Designer. Now, first thing you think is, wait a minute. If he's legally blind, how is he a graphic designer and an illustrator? So he goes on to explain that it has to do with a certain type of, um, it's called optic nerve hypo. Plasia? Something okay. like that. Close enough. And it's called ONH. And basically, it's the deadening or lack of development of the optical nerve as he's growing in, in birth. And what it does is it cuts down your peripheral field from typical 180 that people can see down to almost 25 degrees. So he's, he, what he said basically is like tunnel vision for what people think of tunnel vision. And now, I he has a great sense of humor because he was like, basically, I'm good until that fire hydrant is in the way or that cupboard door I run into or the dishwasher's left open. Or some people might think I'm because I don't reach out when they uh, go to shake my hand and I don't realize they actually have their hand out. So I thought it was kind of funny that he had a sense of humor about it. But he did go on to talk about how he he's had that struggle with the fact that He's really proud of the fact that he can do this work despite his disability, but then he also has to basically take on the fact that he knows that there are things that he may never be able to do. Like when he draws, he can only see a small portion of the paper, and then he also went on to talk about the fact that he can't do perspective because of that, and so it's interesting because I, I relate in some ways, and, and this is we've talked about this that it's ironic that with my hearing impairment, I do the editing for the podcast. A lot of people think that's completely crazy and don't get it. And I, so I could relate to this, that he feels kind of the same way, that he's managed to develop an art and develop a style that works with his disability. But at the same time, he has to realize that that disability is not going to go away. He's not going to be a typical designer and be able to, but that's what I think makes him stand out. And, uh, the only thing I will say is HuffPost, what is with not putting the guy's name in the article itself and not putting a link to the poor guy anywhere in the article? So I will put a link in the show notes along with the article. I mean, his name is there, but it's like underneath the photo. They never mentioned it, and, I, and it's written by him. 
But it's just, it just seemed weird that it almost seemed like an interview piece, but it wasn't. And I'm like, what's the guy's name? And I had to like go and look and figure it out. Um, so I'll put I'll put a link to his stuff. His stuff's pretty cool. It's it's an interesting style. And you know, he said was, it. It's a very flat style too. I was gonna say, um, what is he designing? Um, does it limit the scope of his work? Is he designing for people that are uh, vision impaired or? No, not specifically. Like he does album art. He does packaging, shirts, books, magazines posters, flyers. So it's, I think what it is, is like he could still see colors okay. He could still see shapes and stuff like that. It's just that his field of work that he could actually work in. So think about it. You have a 13-inch iPad and that's how what you can work on. Well, he's working with like an iPhone 6. That's the easiest way I could probably describe it is that sure. he, he's very narrow in what he could see as far as what what part of the medium he can actually work with. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And, and obviously the headline got me because I'm like, how's he a graphic designer and he's legally blind? But I realized the legally blind part is what changes it from being somebody that can't see at all to somebody that has a serious impairment. So I thought that was, it was kind of interesting to see his artwork and to kind of read about how he's a graphic designer. And he basically said he never let it, control him. He never let it become an issue. He basically started drawing when he was young and just worked with what he had. And that's all he's ever known. So it's not like he could see before on a bigger perspective and then it got taken away. He said, that's all I've ever known. So I just adjusted the way that I did my work. So that was a pretty cool article. So I will put that in the show notes. Show notes are at rookiedesigner.com slash rd. 165. So that's where you can find the links to what we talk about, and uh, we'll have our recommendations later in the episode. Those links will be there as well. So what did you... You actually came up with a topic this week as opposed to last week where we were like, hey, let's just wing it, see what happens. And that actually worked out pretty well. But you have a topic for us this week. What is it about? Sure. So I was picking the brain of one of the other freelancers I was doing a little work with. And I'm like, you know, what type of things would other designers or other business professionals that are doing their own thing, freelancing, what would they appreciate to hear? And he said, well, there's the perks of working at home. Uh, And so uh, tip of the hat to Jake from um, Blue Hook Design, I believe. I'll look up that name. Um, He uh, was saying, yeah, the perks of working from home are amazing. But uh, along with that, there's also some uh, things that we need to uh, celebrate as well as be concerned with making sure that we're paying attention to our our physical as well as mental wellness when we're working from home um, to make sure that we're not in a padded room and that we're not fit to be tied. Like today, I I felt like I should have been out there and just... I don't know, walking because it's been a beautiful day. And that brings me to one of the best perks of working from home and working for yourself. You're your own boss. You make your own ca- your own calendar. And if you want to go out and just peace out for a little bit, feel free. Well, in that case, I'll be right back. I'm going to go take a nap. Oh, great. <laughs> I mean, that, that is definitely one of the perks of working for yourself and working at home is, yes, you could go take a nap. Or... 
you could do as Carl suggests and go outside and be active and do that kind of stuff. But yeah, it is definitely one of the perks of working from home is to have that flexibility. And and even if you're not your own boss, like I know I was talking to a guy today who's a sales guy who has a virtual assistant. And he, he said, I laugh because she'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, I got to go pick up my kid from school. And he's like, I don't care. As long as the work's getting done, I don't care if you do it now or if you do it at 10 o'clock tonight. As long as the work gets done, that's all that really matters. And so it's kind of the same thing for us because we work for ourselves. We can kind of play with that schedule. I It was funny. I was trying to think like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of perks with working at home, but there's a lot of detrimental stuff as well. And one of the detrimental things that I was thinking about is you could spend all day eating. Because if you work that close to the kitchen, it's really easy to go, okay, I'm bored, I'm hungry, I'm going to get something to eat. And then an hour later, go, okay, I'm still bored, I'm still hungry, and I'm going to get something else to eat. So you do have to be careful of that. That One, make sure you got healthy food in the house. And two, make sure that you don't spend all your time doing that and, and finding those distractions and finding excuses not to be sitting in front of your computer doing what you're supposed to do. It's very easy to get distracted when you work at home. Yes, that's true. Um, and also, if you're always going out, you may find that your wallet screams when you're going out to eat all the time. Uh, <laughs> yes. Now, one of the other things I like working um, on my own business and working from home is, yes, I do have to buy my own technology and use my own software, but that's also one of the great perks. I get to say, hey, I'm working on a PC and I'm not going to work on just a diddly little, you know, uh, ThinkPad. I'm going to work on this massive, like, 17-inch monitor uh, super graphics card PC because, hey, why not? <laughs> right, right. You get to choose the technology you get to work with because it's your business and it's at home. And right, that- and it, it's not assigned technology from um, – your employer they're not giving you the cheapest laptop available they're not you're not um having to circumvent uh firewalls and antivirus you you want to install music on your pc go ahead you want to install um uh morrowind or some game that you want to play after you're done working go ahead because it's your pc so you know, having the technology that you are comfortable using, that you want to use, that's also one of the great perks of working from home. Well, there's a, there's another perk that I absolutely wouldn't give up in a heartbeat, and that's the fact that I lease my car because I don't have a commute. Now, having a commute besides going to meetings and doing that kind of stuff, I don't have to drive 45 minutes to go sit in an office somewhere else. I basically get up. Most of the time I put work clothes on. Sometimes I work in my pajamas. It's another perk of working at home. But the biggest thing is I don't have to drive 45 minutes one way to work and deal with traffic and deal with the commute and deal with wanting to run people off the road and road rage and all that crazy stuff that comes with that. That's huge to me because one, that's a savings in I lease so I don't have to pay as much for the car. I don't pay as much in gas because I'm not going as, as many places and I can have a nicer vehicle because I can save that money for a nicer vehicle. But more importantly, it's the the headaches of 
the end of the day and being tired and having to sit in traffic for 45 minutes on the way home can be extremely frustrating and extremely debilitating when it comes to your creativity and your mindset because your stress level is through the roof. So that not having a commute is a huge one for me. And I can imagine with you being close to Boston that you probably don't miss having to do that. No, and I do go into Boston once every week or every two weeks to do on-site work with one of my clients, but that's because I choose to because there's a team of people there that I want to meet up with, check in with, and these are kind of like the people that I'm serving within that particular client community. Um, but I don't miss the commute at all. Uh, when I do go, it's it's an hour ride for eight miles, and it's insane. <laughs> uh, I can't but, imagine. I'll tell you right now, it's better than taking the bus. <laughs> that is true. That is true. That's a special kind of hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and working from home, not having that commute, your hours are your own. You're able to um, work productively. If you're more productive in the morning, well, you can work in the morning, 5 a.m. to whatever, you, whenever you want to end your day. Um, if you work better at night, if you have insomnia, you know, you can work at night. Or, or you also can schedule your day around your clients' days. So uh, we work with our friends of the Yard Owls who are actually in India, and they've helped me a lot lately. Um, but they work overnight to kind of sync up with our schedules here in the States. Um, and that's well, one of the things they can do because they work for, for themselves. Yeah. And with that said, you have to be careful and just to play the other side. You don't want to work too many hours. I mean, it's very, very easy for people who work for themselves that work at home to get very tied up in what they're doing. And all of a sudden, it's 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night, and they've been working for 12, 14, 16 hours and don't realize it. So it's really important that, like I said, if you're, if you're better working in the morning, schedule four or six hours that you work, take a break. Take some time for yourself, kind of recharge, and then maybe jump back into it. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't hustle, that you shouldn't put those hours in when you need to. But be careful that you don't burn yourself out by working so many hours and putting in so much time at once that you run yourself down because then you get sick and that causes you problems. And, and speaking of that, people have germs. And when I worked corporate – I got sick so much more than I get sick working for myself. Now, I will say, working at home and working for myself, I have to be careful when I go out because I'm much more much more susceptible. susceptible. Thank you. I can remember what that word was. Much more susceptible to catching something because obviously I'm not around a lot of people a lot of the time. But man, do I stay much healthier living at home, living at home, li <laughs> working at home. And working for myself because I'm not surrounded by sick people. Yeah, and I, I also, um, being at home, I, I structure my day a lot better than when I was in the office because I'm no longer, you know, I don't have migratory patterns of a goose at that point where I, I'm checking <laughs> in with everyone in the cubicle saying hi and, hey, want to go get coffee? Well, that's a venture out. And that happened twice a day at times um you know it's i'm much more productive 
my my conversations with my clients are much more directed i guess even though we we do kind of chat a little bit but it's you know it's not as it i don't i'm not as uh long-winded as i am right now and also when i'm uh in person uh when i'm over the phone with someone yeah i agree i think you you tend to keep things much more structured i find that as well and i do have my clients that i like to hang out with the next thing i know i'm like oh geez that was a two-hour meeting we can't have that but i also have my clients where i'm like hey it's a half hour that's all i got i can get in get into the conversation, get what I need from them, get the questions answered, give them what they need and get out of that conversation. And and I'm learning to do that more because I realized those long-winded conversations aren't good. But I also know that the reason sometimes those long-winded conversations happen is because of feeling isolated. So it's important that you have communication, that you have socialization with other human beings. Your dog doesn't count. It has to be other human beings. <laughs> Parker, you don't count. And, you know, that actually raises a good th- a good thought in my head. Whereas I know that we are both now freelancing, but I, w- I left the corporate world only six or eight months ago. And uh, I, I had appreciation for how isolated some of our distribu- distributed workforce felt. And actually, one of my colleagues from my last job wrote an article about this, knowing when to convene your remote workers. And yes, there is cost involved with that, but there is also value in the time of just gathering in one place, whether it's for a a work retreat, whether it's for uh, important high-level meetings, or, you know, just even getting out there to be social. So you can all work from home. Maybe maybe you're just uh, uh, based around a city. It's good to come together periodically, you know, once a week or once a, a month to check in with the people that work close to you. But also it's nice if you have far-flung people to bring them into a, a town or a city to convene for a longer, like a week-long event as well. Yeah, and if it's tough for you to do that type of thing, there are so many new technologies out there like Zoom, like Skype, that you can do group conversations and have that kind of FaceTime. Now, it's not the same as being in person and and having that more personable situation, but having those group sessions can help people from being isolated. Same thing with like you and I use Slack with the art owls to kind of keep communication and keep things flowing with projects. But it's also a way for us to just share funny things or frustrations or like what's going on or we share topics for the podcast and things like that. But that communication helps both of us not feel like we're the only ones with voices on our heads that talk to the computer or talk to the plan or talk to the wall. I mean, it's, it helps us feel like we're not the only ones and we're, we're not isolated. And not to go back too much into the, the conversation we had to start, but it's really important that you keep an eye on your mental health. And it's really important that you keep an eye on the mental health of other professionals that are doing what you're doing because it is very easy to feel isolated and it's very easy for depression to set in for anxiety to set in. And if you notice that in yourself, definitely seek help. 
But if you notice that in other people, reach out to them and make sure that they're okay and and follow up with them and, and find ways to help them because it's going to help you as well. And, and that isolation can be very, very devastating. And just keep an eye on people that are doing what you're doing because you never know what's, what's really going on with somebody. So just something to think about. Yes, that's true. Um, I mean, uh, when you're working remotely, isolation is the biggest issue. And it's not just personal isolation. You get isolated from the news within the company. The people that do work kind of together more know more of what's going on within the company, perhaps. And that's because they, they chat. Um, yeah. So it is an effort that you need to kind of convene with the people that you work with, either whether they be clients, your your in-house work team, um, or, you know, talking up the ladder to your management. You got to make sure that you keep in touch, whether it's through Adobe Connect, WebEx or whatever. Um, so So how do you deal with, if you're feeling frustrated, isolated, not really productive, what do you do? Like, what are some of the steps you take to kind of break out of that? Well, like we were talking a few weeks ago about taking care of yourself, it's, um, it again, it's just me getting up and walking away for a bit. I may actually bring my technology with me so that when I am in the mindset, I can actually sit down in a Panera or coffee shop and just sit down and start working. But it's knowing to get up and get away from something like I, I've not done very much today. I was actually just looking forward to doing this um, because this is one of my structured pieces of today. But otherwise, I really haven't done much all that much work today. Well, and I think doing this helps us not feel as isolated, to feel like we're part of a community. And, and, and that's where we hope to grow this into something more and have people on the show and do interviews to kind of again, build that socialization that's not necessarily in person, but can still help with that. Me personally, one of the biggest things and one of the biggest reasons I joined BNI, which is just our weekly plug for BNI, is I decided to do that because when I first started, I started to feel like I was very isolated and I wasn't getting business from the community. I was getting most of my business online. And I was like, you know, it's kind of crazy that I live in this community and very few people even know what I do, uh, really who I am. And that's because I hole up in my house and I do my work and I'm working with online clients and I don't really get out. So I joined BNI and it flipped everything on its head. It basically took from what used to be like 75% online, 25% in-person business to completely the opposite where it's 75% of local clients and 25% of online or out of the area clients. So I think it's it's important to find networking events. It's important to find a networking group maybe similar to BNI or the chamber or a leads group and kind of see how you can build a, a group of people. Because in my BNI, I consider to have friends now that have come out of that. For example, I have a guy that's in my BNI group that I go to the gym with four or five days a week in the morning before our days get started. It's a way for us to kind of keep ourselves healthy, get into that self-care, but also it just gives us a way to hang out and kind of have that camaraderie that helps us feel motivated the rest of the day. And we talk about that, that the days we don't go to the gym, we have a completely different mindset than if we did. Now, for me today, I didn't go today because I had an early meeting, 
but I had meetings all day long out in the public, out among other people. So I didn't feel that drain or that isolation. I felt more of the drain of, holy cow, I just had five meetings in a couple hours and I'm exhausted. But I still had that socialization. I still had that getting out and, and being around. So I'm trying like, there's a lot of advantages to working at home. And especially your own you, toilet. Your own <laughs> <laughs> yes, your own toilet, which if you work in corporate, you realize how important that is. Um, there's other things like as much as Parker doesn't count as something that's going to allow you to talk to somebody because he doesn't talk back. At least I hope not. It's cool to have your own animal around you and, and that gives you comfort. It gives you uh, it, it can help decrease anxiety and depression and things like that. So it's kind of cool to have that ability as well. Um, saves you money on having to take him to doggy daycare every day. So, I mean, it, it's a lot of things like that. Um, again, going back to the eating thing, you can eat healthier because you can make sure you have this stuff in your kitchen. It could save you money because you're not going out to eat all the time. And as much as I joked earlier about the nap, I'm not going to lie. There are days, especially B&I mornings where I have to be up and at B&I at 7 a.m. in the morning, there may come an afternoon where it's three o'clock and I'm like, I'm exhausted. I'm going to take a nap. Just make sure that doesn't turn into waking up the next morning and realize you just slept through the whole rest of the day. But it's great having that ability to say, hey, I'm exhausted. I'm not feeling 100% and taking care of me and taking a step back and say, hey, I'm going to take a nap for an hour or a half hour or 15 minutes. Um, you don't have to wear pants. As Jeff Fisher always talked about. You work for yourself. You don't have to wear pants. I recommend it if you have a roommate. They don't like that. So definitely make sure you keep that in mind. And Parker might look at you a little weird too if you run around with no pants on. Oh, yeah, but I can still find out how dogs put on pants. The meme from last year, I can actually experiment here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, I mean, there's, there are a lot of advantages to working at home, but there are a lot of pitfalls that you do need to keep in mind. And it really comes down to making sure that you have a good process in place, a good plan, that you are taking breaks, that you are taking care of yourself, and that you don't isolate yourself so much that you kind of start to wind down and, and get depressed. It, it really is a balance. There's there's a lot of ways to have really good self-care because you work at home, but it's also you work at home, so be careful and take care of yourself. So I think it's it's really a double-edged sword because you have to be disciplined too. Yeah, ultimately it it is willpower and self-discipline. And I'll tell you, I didn't have it two or three years ago. I got it now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Believe me, when, when your paycheck is that much responsibility – your discipline changes quickly. So I, I think that's really good. I think we covered some good stuff with that. Let's jump into rookie recommendations. What do you have this week? This week, I have a book for, from one of my clients, actually. Um, and I want to thank Ashley Welch and Justin Jones for sending me Naked Sales. This is not designing with no pants. This is how to design thinking reveals customer motives and drives revenue. Now, I've worked with Ashley and Justin on helping develop their classroom experience, so I've gained some appreciation for this 
particular process using design thinking in the sales process and how you're really building empathy with your client to help close a deal. And that's through conversation, that's through idea generation. And um, I'm looking forward to reading this book to see how they've captured that process within this book. Because I know how the classroom experience goes. I want to see it in writing as well. Very cool. I want to know the whole naked part of sales. I'm not sure I understand that, but I guess we'll find out when you read that. I guess it depends on the industry. That is true. That is very, very true. So my book is one that I, I got a while ago. Let's see. It's, it's a couple years old, but it's called 344 Questions. The Creative Person's Do-It-Yourself Guide to Insight, Survival, and Artistic Fulfillment. And it is literally questions. It's hilarious because it's really cool the way it's designed because it's designed almost like a, I want to say a puzzle book, but it's like it's got arrows and boxes and you kind of answer a question and go to the next box and there's a question in there and and there's space to actually write in the book, which is kind of cool. And there's things like, what do you do to get inspired? And then the next question after that is, who who does what? All right, who does what you want to do or does what you already do just much better? And the next question is, are they inspiring you or frustrating or both? And, and again, like that one doesn't really have a space to answer, but the one box below says, where do you draw the line between inspiration and imitation? So it's really interesting. And then they... They have a bunch of creatives from different industries have their own series of questions as well. So like you'll have a couple – like this one was on inspiration and then it's Meredith Scardino from the Colbert Report, the writer for the Colbert Report. And it says, are you willing to plagiarize? And so it's talking about what she does and how does that relate Many of the great writers and thinkers suffered crippling addictions. What would be your drug industrial solvent of choice? So there's some like interesting questions, some funny questions. Um, let's see, who else is in here? So we got Rick Morris, who's a designer. And it's all questions from him. We've got another designer, Jacob Trollbeck. A composer, David Norland. So it's kind of neat because it's not just designers. And and it's and it's one of those things where you can like read a couple pages, put it down, and it's supposed to help you get creatively thinking because it's asking questions and it's asking some crazy questions. When should you be a hypocrite? Can you think of a situation when you abandon a project and go back on your word? So it's it's some of it's interesting, some of it's profound. So I highly recommend it. It's a small book. It's only 140, 145 pages. There are a hundred and no, there are probably 30 different people in it. Uh, Let's see. Sean Adams. So yeah, there's all kinds of different. Doug Chang. I have no idea who that is. Oh, I should know who that is. It's a film designer and artist, and he did Terminator 2 and Forrest Gump. Go, f- nice. go figure. 
So there's some pretty big names in this book, and it's it's just it's a really interesting, creative way to ask questions and get you thinking and get you thinking creatively. So I highly recommend it. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's by the publisher Creative Edge, and the author is Stefan uh, Butcher Butcher. And he actually not only did he write it, but he illustrated the book as well. So that's kind of cool. Cool. So. I definitely recommend you check that out. I'll have links to that. And also I'm assuming they have their book on Amazon as well. I think so. It's, it's published by Lioncrest publishing. Um, okay. Yeah. So, All right, so we'll, we'll get a link to both of those in the show notes. Again, the show notes are at rookie RD 165 for episode 165. Got anything else today? That's it. Another one in the books. Yep. Awesome. So as always, guys, we appreciate you listening. If you get a chance and you haven't yet, we'd really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes, sorry, not iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and leave us a review. That really helps them know that we're active, that we got listeners, and the more reviews you have, the more likely you are to get featured and to kind of get bumped up in the rankings. So if you get a chance, we'd love it if you could go leave us a review. Um, Want to find us on social? Just go to rookiedesigner.com. You can find all the links there. Uh, biggest place is Facebook. There's about 600 people that follow us there, so there's always conversations going on there. So, without further ado, remember everyone's a rookie before they're an all star. Mm-hmm.